Rhino's back. John Conn's back. Here we are yeah. again. Yeah, sadly not. Decided to come indoors again today. It was too hot yesterday, John. Thought, sit by the pool. Bit <laughs> of a breeze. Fine. There was no breeze. It was 72 degrees in the shade. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, like over here, it's just like we've got all the breeze and no sun. So on today's episode, we've talked a little bit on one of the previous episodes about some of our favourite sessions where things went well. In the previous episode, the other thing that we, we were talking about as well is like the different stages to recording. What I wanted to kind of do today was focusing really in between where bands think the songs are ready and talking about how can they prepare for the studio and how what's you know what things can we do to kind of make it as easy as possible so the bands look, look professional look are organized and you know eventually effectively save time in the studio just to give an example like imagine there's like two bands we got band a and then band b are called the struggle so band a like I, this is this is going back to that episode where everything's kind of going well they turn up everything's rehearsed instruments all sound really good and like Everything kind of comes together really, really well. Um, and from an engineering perspective or from like a production's perspective, because everything's well rehearsed, because like everyone's instruments sound really good, you end up like sometimes like the producer can look like a genius and basically effectively all they're really doing is putting the mics up and getting them out, getting out of the way just to let them get on with it. Basically, you find that you're spending more time like looking at the extra bits and pieces that you can add to make it better. And that's something that like, I think is what I'm hoping that people will be striving for when they're going in the studio. In contrast, the second band, this happens from time to time. These are the things really that bands kind of struggle. Like, this is where like sessions may not go as smoothly and it's where things haven't really been thought through. People don't necessarily know their parts. From your own experience, Nick, what's been your experiences with sessions that may not have gone as smoothly? So if we're talking, say, grassroots level, as so if we're saying, you know, fairly new band trying to maybe do their first few recordings obviously we we get the same problems with them over and over again so they've come in they haven't really looked at their instruments it's kind of an afterthought it's uh, it'll be fine or we'll deal with that in the studio and then we spend every when we come to guitar overdubs for instance it's battling with the intonation battling with the tuning that's if they've brought a tuner with them i mean some some people don't bring plectrums they don't bring a tuner they don't bring a cable they don't think about any of those things really it's always this assumption that a studio will have all of this and um you know we're there and well we want a banjo on this track and it's like right where's your banjo well, we don't have a banjo yeah but so these little things they just leave into chance really and assuming that it's the studio are going to have them and so and it's the same things over and over i remember a story of a french band turning up at rockfield they flew in got the car from heathrow wherever it was down to the studio they arrive at the studio they walk through the doors loving it we're here can't believe we're here right where's all the instruments i don't know what you mean it's like well where is everything where's all your back line your drums your guitars your basses your bass amps guitar amps it's like well we don't have any and they're like well we've come to record an album we didn't bring anything we just assumed the studio would have it all yeah because like I, th- I suppose like Rockfield was in this position where like, they've been dealing with bands where everything came in off of it. So they didn't, the Rockfield don't, didn't really need anything, did they? No, no, the, the bands would be bringing their own. Plus, well, we know we carry, you know, we carry a lot of backline and instruments at our studio. We know the headaches of once you've got that, there's a responsibility to make it usable, that it works, that the guitars are set up. Because band, once you make it available, it has to be of a decent quality that the bands can actually use it. Otherwise, it makes you look really shit when they turn up and you can't use any of it or this is guitars not, in, you know, not set up at all or whatever. You know, so, they, yeah, that, that removes that headache for them of not having it. Obviously, the main things, the grand piano, the Hammond organ, the roads, things that are very difficult to transport. That's what Rockford carries, but they don't carry the other things. And this band had nothing. 
So they ended up having to hire it all in at a massive cost. But even then, you know, you just thought you would check. There's not really that many big residential studios that do carry loads of backline, really. You can maybe hire it in from them or something. But So yeah, a lot of these bands, they leave things to chance. They come in, the guitars are in a mess. They haven't changed the strings for so long. And then, you know, you, you know when you, you look take one look at a drum kit and you can see the skins and you just know they're not going to be usable. And you're like... There's a lot of um, trigger or sample replacing going along to make it usable then, isn't it? Yeah, and they haven't brought any with them. Luckily, we carry some. But, like, we've had we've had situations where a band has come and reskinned their whole drum kit and, like, then buggered off. And it's, like, that's at a cost of, you know, a couple of hundred pounds to us when, you know, they've they've done that without our, without our knowing. Maybe we went on the session or whatever, but they've reskinned their whole kit. We're using our things and they buggered off. Yeah, so just coming and assuming we're just going to press the magic button and make this drum kit that's not tuned, that's not ready to go. And also, drummers who actually do bother to get new skins and they turn up at the studio with new skins, but they're not on the drums yet. And you're thinking, we're thinking, right, well, now you've got a couple of hours of getting these heads on breaking the heads in tuning the kit it's going to slip out of tune every five minutes now you know and um if it's just the snare you know big big bands like when we were doing like um the one we took it on from the darkness we would change the snare head every i don't know every every day the snare head would be changed um and then you know we'd play it in for an for a half an hour or so and then we'd be away and you and off we go but other bands you'd expect to use the same set of heads for the whole session even if it's a long album session but they haven't to bring them but they haven't put them on till they get there then you're waiting for them to put the new heads on you're waiting for them to settle down get used to the room all of that so I guess thinking about all these things beforehand and just you know power supplies for your pedals or batteries for your pedals all these things yes we can get all that stuff but it just saves so much time if it's just ready to go Obviously, bigger bands, they tend to have techs and they tend to have production cases. So they'll roll in their production case. Everything's labelled. It's all in drawers. It's there. They can reach for whatever they want at any point because they're used to touring. So it's a bit a bit easier. So just talking about, like us talking about equipment and instruments just from that point. But obviously, there's all the other aspects of it. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add for the music from the uh, instrument side i think um we've been in situations where like you mentioned intonation and that sometimes that comes up quite a bit it's like okay the guitar's in tune like go through everything like new strings everything's now but then like you go up to fret five fret seven or something and all of a sudden because the intonation isn't quite in it's out of tune again so you then got this option of you either tune to like maybe the fifth fret which i think we've done once or twice we've actually tuned over up the neck so that those notes would be in tune you spend a bit of time working on the intonation and i remember um there was this like when i was in uni like we had like um i think it was phil mulford he was just, like a session bassist he played the plays he went to like abbey road or air and he did all the backing tracks for um the x factor and pop idol before they went to the live live instruments and he's been on like um like strictly come dancing and stuff as one of the musicians and everything and he used to say like every time i change my strings i always check the intonation just so then it's like it's in it's like if you can't on top of things and it, it just makes it a lot easier i think one of the things when we talk about the intonation is like if you're investing you know like recording isn't exactly like it can be an expensive outgo and it's like you're investing in your future i guess so if you you know if you know you got a session coming up there's no harm in taking it like going to the local music shop and asking for a setup um like, like say like 20 30 quid however much it might cost save you hours in the studio yeah yeah, and two things are going to happen. You're either going to spend hours trying to get guitars in tune and recording everything, tune into the note, tune into the chord, tune in, you know, and it takes hours then, especially if there's multiple overdubs. 
or you're going to have to sacrifice the sound of that guitar, which is maybe the, the guitar that that song needs, and use a different guitar, which is maybe not as good or not necessarily the right sound you're after. Or you're going to end up recording loads of guitars, and then the more you add on and you come to add other things up, you realise that it's all out of tune and you have to redo it all, um, which is then cost you out. So any scenario is going to cost you cost you time and money, basically. Yeah, and it happens time and time again, doesn't it? And it's like so that one, and then the other thing that can sometimes happen is if the tuning, you know, like the tuning head is like a Jaguar in recently, and it was like a, it was a Fender guitar, it was like a Jaguar, and literally you could play a couple of chords on it and it'd be out of tune again. And it's partly down to the guitar and stuff, but we'd, we'd spent a day trying, like, fighting the tunings, like, you know what, this isn't working. Kind of reached out to a couple of people, we ended up borrowing guitars. Well, that's quite a specific sound, isn't it, you're after on using a guitar like that. So you've got to, you can't really just get the Les Paul out the slime in the studio and expect to get the same thing out of it. Plus how, how it's being played as well. If someone's used to playing a jag and that's the, the kind of part it is, then that's the guitar you really need to do it on. Um, yeah, so the technical aspects of it all, isn't it? You know, the making sure the instruments are all all right, making sure you've got all your bits, you know, the the right plectrums, where you you know the heavy ones, the thin ones. Um, bring your guitar cables as well. You know, bring bring spare batteries for your pedals. Make sure your pedals. Oh, the amount of, yeah, this one's got a wire on it. Only problem is my wire's really noisy. It's got a problem with it. And it's like, right, well, if you'd have brought this up in pre-production or if you'd brought this up beforehand, we could have made sure we had a wire pedal here. Luckily, we do have a lot of those things anyway. But just it's that leaving it to chance. And it always ends up costing us, even from a musical point of view, when someone says, oh, this one's got loads of harmonies on it, but nobody has worked out any harmonies at all. And it's fine because we can work out harmonies, we can lay parts, we can come up with all that. But that's time. That's maybe then four, five hours on a song that hasn't been scheduled in because that the parts haven't been worked out. And there's 12 parts to work out for this song or something. So it applies to the music side of it and the technical side, the instrumentation side of it. And that kind of comes into when we think about like parts and stuff. That goes back into the previous episode of the podcast when we're talking about songwriting. It's working out like, does everyone know the song? like from start to finish and could they play without the other instruments like you'll normally find like say like the band a which we said like they were you know they're the good band example like uh, from pretty vicious he knew the song so well that he basically we'd always start off with the guitars and stuff because now nah, just give me the click i'll do the whole song about the band because i knew because he knew it and he kind of he knew the structure of the song that well that like, he's just like no let's let me play and then you have other times where like you'll you do a guide track and then you realize they played something completely different each time you're like well which one is it? Which one's the which one's the take that we're going to use? Yeah, especially when when people want guitars double tracked and they say, "Well, I just play it different every time." And it's like, "Well, you're not going to do that. We'd have to drop in every. I'd rather you play the track because we're after a performance here because it's like you know performance based part or whatever. And they're playing it different every time. And then you just end up having to drop in every few bars or just do a few takes and comp it together. Um, but it takes a lot longer because you need to make sure you've got all the bits covered. Yeah, defining what those parts are. I don't mind if the part's going to develop in the studio. That's absolutely fine. But then you've got to be mindful of don't just have the attitude. Oh, I never play the same thing twice. Don't worry about you know don't worry about it it's like well you want we gotta have this double track so we have got to worry about it but yeah there's but there's a counter argument to this kind of a, like thing where take someone like scott and kitten pyramid who would do none of that before he got to the studio he, he would probably you know it's con wholly concentrated on the music side of it so he would bring his instruments and stuff and he's got good quality instruments and we've never had any problems with them actually but they it would be he, he probably wouldn't have had them set up or anything like that because to him that's not a problem. If it's slightly out tune, it's slightly out tune. He likes to create kind of quirky, kind of out there music and something that's interesting all the time. So that, so someone like him is purposely maybe doing that so it doesn't follow 
a pattern. It's like, oh, I didn't bring a drum kit, but there's drums on this. Right, what we'll do is we'll use anything that's lying around. But obviously, if it's a kind of rock band or an indie band, you can't do that. Someone like Scott is making this kind of really kind of out there, kind of quirky music and visual and emotive and everything, then uh, he can. So he won't work on any parts. He'll have a basic demo or he'll have the structure or whatever, but it's all about changing in the studio. He's almost using me to write in the studio with him. He comes up with the basic ideas and then we work on it and we build a track throughout the day. And it's all to him, it's all about, it's in the moment, it's whatever happens on that given day with me and him in a room, that's the song. If the guitar's slightly out of tune, it doesn't matter which guitar, it, no, we'll just use that guitar over there. It doesn't matter, slightly out of tune, it doesn't matter. So there's a different approach, but that's, but that's he's, he's actually got a method so he actually is prepared because that's his approach. Whereas a band who's expecting great sounding drums, guitars in tune, parts all nailed, layered harmonies, double tracks, it all has to be done before. If your approach is, no, we get in the studio with no preconceptions and then we build, then that's fine because that's still a plan. It's just your mindset is built to do that. So you know things are going to go sideways. You know things are going to... You know, and you're working on parts. You haven't you've really worked out any overdub parts, but that's fine because that's factored into the time and the budget for for doing that. That's a different approach. So it, yeah, it it can it can work that way. But I'm, as much as it's like someone like Kitten Pyramid is um, may seem chaotic and kind of it, it actually does is following a um, a path of the way that we work. And you know, he's found studios and producers and writers i.e. us that that actually benefit the way he works if he went with someone else in other studios he, he couldn't necessarily do it the, what he does imagine it takes a bit of time to get onto the same wavelength as well it's not gonna you've got to be on the same wavelength yeah and when someone's saying to you you know you need to have like a dustbin and a shopping basket and a set of keys and a drill as a drum kit <laughs> some people are just gonna <laughs> just not gonna get it but you know, it, it always works. In there is a method, but it's just... And, and when you're in that mindset that things are like that, it's fine. But when you're, you know, trying to get a really good recording of a band and a tight recording and a big... Especially for rock records, a big sounding... You need everyone to be on it, know their parts, the instruments to be right, all that prep done. And like we were saying in the previous podcast about maybe not having time or budget for pre-production, then the more of those things you can do... You know, if we're in pre-production in a band in a room, we can tell them all this beforehand, right? Make sure that's got that on it. So make sure you bring that pedal or make sure you do this or make sure you do that. Save that preset on there so we don't have to, you know, fiddle around for God knows how long trying to remember what sound we got in rehearsals. Amp settings and things like that, you can take photos of your amp settings. It's just all that stuff saves time because especially tracks where... There's lots of overdubs, lots of parts. It takes, you know, anything you can save, little bits of time, and it all adds up, especially when you're trying to make an album in a week or something. And then think God, it's he's got a vision that, like, um, another band that we work with, Returners, that when they're coming in, like, Aaron, the guitarist, he's got a very, very clear vision of what he wants to do when the, when the session comes along. He's like, I want to sound like this. Have You normally have, like, we'll have, like, questions and emails coming in and say, right, have we got a 12-string guitar? Have you got this amp? I'm thinking about these. And he's thought about, like, the arrangement of the acoustics. And you'll ask James, the, guitar, the other guitarist, on the acoustic, right, I want you to play with this, like, the capo on the fifth fret or something, or just try out different arrangements. He's worked at everything, you know, which plectrum should be, you know, you're going to be using a thinner plectrum on this one. He's memorized all the, all the, you know, he's, he's like, I'm going to triple track this. And he's memorized the three settings on the kind of chorus pedal for the three overdubs. You're going to use this guitar for this one. This is it. And then for the second one, I just did this. And I, he's memorized all those. And it's brilliant. And it's great because, and I mean, if his ideas were all terrible, then we'd, we'd be going in going, oh, you know, 
not sure about this. And, you know, and if he was like really determined to use his ideas and they weren't working, but actually what he's done, he's, he's building sounds and he's obviously put a lot of work and pre-production into layering these sounds in rehearsal rooms and in demo form. So he knows, he knows that this works. He's been through it. This is what works. We do one like this. We do one. We put the capo on the fifth fret. We do another one there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great fun to watch someone like that, isn't it? And it just makes it like those sessions and you can kind of sit back and relax in a way, but it, it's mainly because the work is like, you can see that the band have worked in advance. They've done the work, like the rehearsals and stuff. And it just makes it a little bit easier. Whereas like, as we say, we mentioned where like sometimes it may not be as organized and like you go right i want to record guitars and it's like okay and they go get the guitar it's like what do i do now <laughs> it's like well yeah. <laughs> plug it in check it and like you start like you start tuning up it's like right we're ready to record it's like thinking what's coming next should i get the stuff ready and it's all like having like um a section on this on the on the like in the studio thinking right okay this is guitar world we'll get everything we'll get everything in tune although like, i want to use this we get my stuff ready for the next section yeah, it's just they wait for us to say it's time. We wait and they wait for us to tell them it's time, and then they go right. I'll start looking for everything, and I'll start plugging it in. Where do you want this? Where do you want that? And guitars are always on the floor, though, which is fun. It's always like like young young bands. Where should we put the guitar? Well, if we lay it on the floor, it's not going to fall down. And and usually in the doorway. So many times, especially in the control room at Leaders Vale, it's like where should we put these guitars? There's a guitar rack next to the doorway but let's not put them in the guitar rack let's lay them on the floor in the doorway where everybody walks through and you see it time and time again i send you pictures of it you send me pictures of it here we go again john look there it is there's the guitars in the walkway of the in the walkway of the door that's definitely where they all need to be i mean we can go on about this because about other things related to it, when you're going residential so when you're at somewhere like rockfield even planning right who's gonna who's gonna cook can anyone cook who's gonna buy the food it's not like otherwise you get to 10 o'clock at night no one's eaten everyone's tired They've all they've bought is a block of cheese and a packet of crisps to go around like eight people. Um, and they haven't kind of worked on that. And then it's too late. The shop's closed. They end up spending loads of money on takeaways and stuff. Just thinking about, right, I'm going to do breakfast or we're going to have stop for dinner at this time. So-and-so is going to cook today. So-and-so we've bought all the food in or we'll go while you're putting the mics up. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you want the band and then they've all gone to the shop and you're like, well, I need all the band. It's like, did they all need to go? All five of them traipsed down the shop. They're two hours. And me and you were, <laughs> I know, me and you were sat there for two hours because they've all buggered off. But um, yeah, I know it sounds, that sounds trivial, but that saves over like a week to 10 days, just organizing all that kind of stuff and deciding whether it's actually worth getting catering in because the amount of time it saves on cooking and cleaning and going to the shops and all that kind of thing. So but yeah, just all, there's another thing you can add that just saves those saves the time really, and means that me and you get to actually eat something, John. As matter of times we're at one o'clock in the morning and we're just eating half sandwich, John. As matter of times we're at one o'clock in the morning and we're just eating half sandwich and a packet of crisps get put on the table. So oh, I guess we're not stopping then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know we're not stopping for dinner. You guys don't get a break. You sit at that computer and just eat your dinner by there. Here we go. Yeah, yeah I mean I was I know it sounds trivial, but there's those little things I was organising. Some bands come and they're really organised. They've done a massive shop before they even get there. Yeah. They're like, you know, so-and-so is going to get up to breakfast every day. So-and-so is cooking dinner. We're taking it in turns or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, and some bands are really prepared and they go, now's a good time to go and prepare the dinner because us two aren't doing anything. So you guys crack on. How long do you need? What time do you want dinner ready for? Eight mm. o'clock. Yeah, eight o'clock. We all go. We have dinner. We're all ready to go again. Back in the studio. Everyone's buzzing. When it gets to like midnight and you like you say, you're getting served and 
a packet of crisps and a and a sandwich and going yeah we we're not stopping for dinner you've got to carry on it just over a long period of time that kind of wears you down really and it's not the best use of time i think being organized it's just about organization preparation yeah um, it's one of the things that you can kind of ask as well um before going in the studios like whoever you work with whatever studio you're going to go to is speak to the studio or speak to the producers that you're working with say right what do we need to bring is there anything that yeah. like um you know like if there any questions that you'd like to ask as well just kind of think well what do we need to cover what do we need to bring what do we what do you recommend us doing are there shops nearby um because obviously if you look at like residential studios i think it's you no know, um giant wafer studios well there's, yeah. there's a shop nearby but it's run by volunteers yeah, yeah so it's only open for like three minutes on a every thursday yeah and then if you like miss that. that then you're not getting food so then it's yeah. like think even thinking like that is like okay well with a residential studio are there things nearby having questions and asking about what you need to bring what i normally say to people is like yeah. just bring in terms of instruments just bring everything that you yeah you would usually in... use if you're used to a guitar sound then bring bring everything that enables you yeah. to get that guitar sound quickly and easy yeah having every yeah having everything is and if we don't use it then that's not a problem but it's the options there and i think expectations is another thing to think about like bands come in and they go oh they're in for three days we're going to do six songs and you're like, really? You think you can do six songs? Well, yeah, we've rehearsed them and we've gone through them and we can record. They're only three minutes, you know. That's six Just sort of play them all a couple of times. And maybe they're too green to know, like, the overdub process and the editing process. They think they're great, but in the light, you know, cold light of day, when a drummer's playing there, the drums are all over the shop. We've got to edit those drums. To edit six drum tracks takes a long time. To comp vocals, they think the singer's just going to go in and blast it out. Reality is they're probably going to be in there for a few hours doing a vocal. We're going to need to comp it. We're then going to need to fix a few bits. So expectations, what can you get done in that time? Are you better off in three days coming out with one song done really well, really well produced? It's great two songs maximum three i would say unless you're doing a punk rock album where you're just going to play it all through everyone's rehearsing it's 10 songs set up you know record it in two days mix it in a day can be done has been done yeah expectations about what you can really get done having two or three really good songs is better than having six that just sound like demos you know and um, a rushed not performed that great we can only do so much and Mm. then the mix process as well, you know, our expectations about how long is that going to take to mix them to get them to a really good standard. If there's tons of overdubs, tons of layers of backing vocals and you want a big rock drum sound and there's 18 mics on the drums, we can't, it's really hard to mix those things. Sometimes you've built the mix up in the, um, in the studio and it just sounds great and it works. Other times, you know, you've still got loads to do mm. production stuff, kind of effects and like making the drums bigger and kind of getting it all happening. So yeah. it would definitely be something that as a band who's starting out or like a band who are thinking about going to the studio, speaking to the producers, even asking to visit and like popping and seeing, having a chat. I think sometimes talking to the, the people you want to work with and figure out what's yeah. going to work and what's not going to work or what's, you know, yeah. what would they recommend? Sometimes you like, you might think that there's one person who's like the right fit or like sometimes it might be like, oh, no, we might want to work with someone else. You might not get yeah. that, like, kind of... Like, some people won't entertain doing a song, record a mix in less than three days. Other people will tell you that they can record a mix a song in a day and that's the way they work and that's the way they've always done it. But, yeah, speaking to who you're going to be working with and having a realistic expectation. And mm. also, you know, thinking you might need to go back in the studio. Maybe that's not just to put the pressure on yourself of everything has to be done while we're here, while we're here now, that's it. Otherwise, it's never going to get done and we've got no more budget. Having expectations that you might not get it done the singer might have a cold, they might have a sore throat, they might not be able to get all their vocals done. Some, you know, a song might you get might get stuck on a certain part and you might lose half a day 
and then that's eating up into your time. So you might have to come back to finish some bits off or to redo some vocals. Um, and it takes that pressure off. You're on the hat saying this is the be all and end all if it doesn't get done now. Okay. Occasionally that might be the case. You might all be flying in from other countries or whatever you're doing and you can't get any more time off work. Then that's where we come in to time manage it, to keep it flowing, to make sure it gets done. And we take all the stress on board from that. But mm. I think yeah, your expectations of what can we get done, what might come up, we might have to revisit this, allowing us some time that, okay, we'll spend all the time getting it recorded, but you need to book us for an extra two days to do the editing, comp yeah. and tuning. Because the important thing is, while the band are there, is to get the band's bits down. That's the yeah. expensive bit, getting and the, takes the most organisation, getting them all there at the same time, in the room, time off work, whatever they have to do to get there for that period. Sometimes we're just making sure we've got everything we need from the band, but then we know we've got a ton of work to do afterwards. Yeah. Comping, we just leave all the takes, we comp them afterwards because we're going to be up against it. But allowing us the time, you know, putting that in the budget to do it like that. And I usually do that with my when I do a package for someone. It'll say, oh, we'll be doing 10 day, 11 days recording, 10 songs, one day setting up, song a day recording. Then I'm going to need three days to kind of edit, comp, tune, or then working on about three songs a day kind of thing. And then mm. I'm going to mix it. If the budget's there, that's 10 days to mix 10 songs. If it's tight budget, we're doing 10 songs in five days. Then I'm also allowing an extra day for mix changes. What seems like a lot of time soon, get, soon gets used up. Yeah. And having that day for mix changes, having those three days for the editing, it makes a massive difference to the mix. When you've only, especially when you've only got five days to mix 10 songs. When you've got five days to do an album, when you have to do all the editing, all the comping, all the tuning, and all mix changes, and mix 10 songs within five days, it's just, you're just not going to get the it mix become, you're happy with. Yeah, the, the session then becomes like it, the expectation becomes different. And like, I suppose you got then think about, okay, well, is there like, is there a trade off in terms of the output, or is there a trade off on the quality and stuff? And then that's something you have to consider for the, the process i guess is there anything else that they might need to bring in so what we've covered just to go back over everything so we just talked a little bit about like you know when sessions go well like comparison when when things might not go well we talked a little bit i think about like obviously the guitars tuning spending on setups um talked a yeah. little bit i suppose about drums I mean, I, I mean drums themselves could be an episode in themselves i think on the last episode yeah. we were talking about um drummers as well drummers yeah and like obviously talking about you know it's the foundation of the kit you know the drums like yeah. often the foundations of the recording so think about that let's do like, a drum workshop let's do a drum podcast john yeah let's get someone on with us we'll get a couple of drummers on as well yeah podcast for drummers by drummers not me that was the most embarrassing <laughs> thing i ever had to do with soundcheck drums for gil norton is i can't play for shit and it's like oh yeah, yeah just you know go around the kit and grew is like ha! <laughs> i think danny was the engineering at the time he had to come in and just like go just smash around the kit so we could get something like mate i can't play for fucking yeah. shit I can tell drummers yeah. what to do, and I've got an idea, but like actually sitting behind the kit, I'm rubbish. Yeah, yeah drums, they say like well, the we'll drum... do a drum one. Yeah, we'll do a whole whole episode on drums. I guess session musicians, so you, you know, a lot some bands want what pianos on their songs, and there's no piano players in the band. Mm. And you think, oh, we'll muddle through it. We could possibly drop in every every bar, every chord, and all that. And it's like, well, we'll get you a session player for a hundred pounds or whatever to come play on a song, and it's going to save you that in studio time and and headaches. Or we send it away. We have people we use. You know, we use Andrew Griffiths a lot for our orchestrations and things. People forget that when you're sending it to someone like that, not only 
and you're getting great music back and great parts back, you're also saving time because you haven't got to do it recording, so you can be getting on with something else. And you're not you, you're not eating up studio time. They're doing it in their own studio, so you can carry on. You've still got a full 10, 12, 14-hour day or whatever, and you're getting your parts back. So the money it's cost them, offset that against how much studio time you're saving, and it makes it really cost-effective. But thinking about that beforehand rather than, oh, by the way, this has got loads of keyboards on it, but none of us play keyboards before you get there, Bass yeah, fine. I mean, I can play. I can play, yeah. but there's a difference. If you want, if they're really intricate parts and you want to sound great, then yeah, we get get someone in. But thinking yeah. about that and the string sections or just organising the session players or other musicians or if it's going to be sent off, when is it going to be sent off? Because if, if you're mixing when? straight after, then you want to record the song that's got the strings or the pianos on at the beginning so that can get sent straight away once it's done to the guys who are doing it, it yeah. and then you can get it back in time for mixing. There's no point recording that song last and then you've got to wait two weeks because you're mixing it. So again, it's that time management planning ahead. Four sessions. Like, I remember like we had, um, there's a songwriting session we did in Rockfield and I think we brought in the Bryden String Quartet and we managed to send out the song to Emma, who was obviously like the, the cello player, and she put the arrangement together. So they came in, they had the sheet music ready to go, sat down, everything was mic'd up and he pressed record. It was like, that sounds great and it just obviously like just doing that and having that ready and i'm thinking about that's got to be planned into your production timeline and you've got to yeah. think about that when we're doing it and i mean that, that happens if we do pre-production with a yeah. band doesn't it because we talk about all of that stuff but it's when the pre-production doesn't happen and it's a band we don't know and we haven't had much communication with them yeah and it can't happen and then they're like oh we'd like strings on this when do you think you can get people in it's like we well, can't just magic players out of nowhere they've got yeah. they've got to be arranged and you know have we got studio time to do it have you got budget to do it so yeah all those things just think yeah. about it beforehand or or can we get away with program strings does it have to be real strings people think they want real strings on there but does it need to be yeah um no i was gonna say like with um the, with the string players or say with like session players like trumpet or stuff i'm having that time obviously when they come in they've got the parts ready to go that's great but if not and they're coming in blind then it's just well just allow a bit of time say it, it might take a couple of hours for them to learn you know pick up the song and it's just making sure again, like whoever you're bringing in, if if you're if you're organising it yourself, yeah, bringing the right players in, making sure you bring in so the every, right players. Every time we get it, oh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have flugelhorn on this, and my auntie Janet's coming in to do it. She's brilliant, you know, no experience, never put a pair of headphones on in the studio in her life, and it's like as much as like because she's doing it for free. Poor auntie Janet's in there, oh, like rabbit in the headlights. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's stressful. stressful. You know, getting the right player, the right person who's going to play, and also is used to being in a studio, I think. You know, the, oh, my mate's coming in to do this, and it, he's, he's free. It's like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> here we go again. But also, we can do a lot of, we can do a lot of those bits anyway, because obviously when you're working with maybe pop stuff and just singers maybe, that's fine. We can program everything. We play guitars, drums, bass, you know, get by on the keys, program strings, all of that. So, But, yeah, don't take that for granted because you're not always working with people as talented as me and John and Constantine. So they might not do that. They might literally – so you need to check whoever you're working with beforehand. Yeah, so practicing is always going to be important. Um, tools. Anything that bands or musicians should bring in to the studio that isn't the instrument themselves, but what, is there any tools that they could bring in that could help things along? Sorry, you said practicing then, and then one one thing about pra- what what you can practice on. Just sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think <laughs> is an answer, is it? No. Um, so tools in terms of um, you don't practice on <laughs> regardless of what Kingsley Ward says. Well, well, at the end of the day, John, they're all doing it. <laughs> That's not a real T-shirt, no. is it? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a Ben Matthews special. This one, they're all doing it. Oh, it's, uh, oh. One of one of Kingsley's um, 
Still doing it. Regular sayings. Not sure what we're not quite sure what that refers to. I mean, it's probably referred to something like they're all doing it. They're all getting number one records, or all studios are going bust. They're all doing it, or um, I don't know. It could be something as simple as John. Who knows? Yeah, anyway, where were we, John? Um, I was, what I was asking I is um, tools. Like, is there anything like bands could bring in that would help the session along, like just to save time? Um, not so much instruments, but things that would help the instruments. So yeah, things that things that they could bring in. Yeah, so for drummers. Not just the only set of battered sticks that you've got. So replacement sticks, maybe different weights as well. And also have a selection, have brushes, have hot rods. That song hasn't got brushes or hot rods on it now, but when you only get in the studio, it might do. Yeah. And you might need it. Or mallets and things like that for cymbal swells. Just make sure you've got a good stick bag. Make sure you've got a spare drum key as well as your drum key, because we all know somewhere is a place on this earth that contains drum keys, socks and, and pens. And plectrums somewhere. Well, plectrums um, so, has got its own little space in Leader's Veil where there's like, it's just, I don't know how, but the mixing desk is full of plectrums that none of us have ever yeah. bought. They just appear there. No, like when we're we never put up. them in there either. They're just no. in there. So, yeah, having a spare drum key. So, a good, good stick bag, you know, and in there's moon gels, gaffer tape. You know, studios will have gaffer tape, but just if you've got your own gaffer tape, then you're not wandering around trying to find the gaffer tape. It's in your stick bag, it's there. Your moon gels are there, really important because they are going to get used. Your kit's going to get retuned and padded down and even a pillow for inside your bass drum or a blanket whatever you used to use in that might get taken out the front skin might get taken off so yeah spare skin spare sticks you don't want to be in the studio and not you know and your tom skin goes and you haven't got a spare one and it's eight o'clock at night so you're not going to get one till the next day so yeah that's the drummer those kind yeah. of things and then bass players and guitarists change of strings D- different gauges would be nice but understand not everyone can af- can afford to have like multiple sets but at least uh, a couple of a couple of spare um toppies and a couple of you know another another spare pack same for the bass to bring your own tuner decent decent tuner as long as one person's got a good quality tuner we can use that same we'll tend to use the same tuner for all the band so yeah when we do overdub so everyone's using the same yeah extra plectrums different weights whether you're using you know little things about thinking about if it's an acoustic guitar part having some fast fret or something if it's a part that involves lots of sliding yes we can sit there and get rid of those squeaks but if it's really open and some some guitars are just really harsh on the squeaks I mean we've got software we can use to use that but we're often kind of dipping those out but um, maybe fast fret or something like that helps it anyway or whatever but just be mindful of uh, of that mm. uh, for singers you can be bring you know whether it's what you're used to using if you're used to drinking um you know for honey and lemon whatever then bring your honey and lemon we've got all that stuff in the studio anyway but but bring it if you're using vocal zones and you bring your vocal zones by the way if you need a vocal zone important um, endorsement just speak to whips from burning crows i think he's got um a shed full of them somewhere that he's trying to get rid of when we're talking about the vocalist i think um i've seen like some vocalists have like steamers they use yeah. to kind of like for warming up and then even just warming up um well in advance so that's coming into well the studio in advance, but like yeah. thinking when it comes to warming up when we talked about like our favorite sessions i always remember like danny the thunder's ready to go for vocals like 10 in the morning he'll go off and warm up yeah. and then like the you know the big bands if they're needed yeah. they'll go and like right i need to go warm up for an hour um, i remember like uh, matt mitchell from color noise same thing yeah He's like, he'd, he'd go and warm up straight away, like first thing in the morning, be ready to go like 10, 11 in the morning if that's what was needed. And it's just thinking about that. You can't just walk into like the studio and it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Taking taking yourself off and actually doing that. So save again, that's that idea of saving time, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we'll, because we'll always give you a warning. We'll always say, oh, we're going to be about an hour. You'll be singing in about an hour. You know, mm-hmm. that's not an excuse to go down the pub. You guys, that's an hour to go down the pub and drink 20 pints, come back and do my vocals or sit there and get really nervous and kind of for an hour and worry about everything. That's your opportunity to get your shit together 
what drinks do I need? It might be a bottle of Jack Daniels, but get the bottle of Jack Daniels ready. What do you need, you know? Yeah. Um, if there's an assistant there, go to the assistant, right, get the assistant in there, get it vibed up, get your candles, get your pillows, get your, your, your mic stand, your music stand. We get the assistant doing all that stuff anyway. Yeah. But anything you want in there with you, your spit bucket, whatever it is, start preparing it and do your warm-ups. So I think that kind of covers most of the stuff in terms of like obviously preparing for the studio and what we need to do. So just looking at this now, like some of the notes made along, um, main takeaways from this like just trying to maximize the time in the studio so that you're as prepared as possible obviously like things can happen where it might not go as well got like saying first thing as well is like having a vision for your session knowing like well is it going to be like a live recording are we going to layer things up is it going to be like kit and pyramid where we're like talking about there's a vision in terms of right i want to make drums but i'm going to use different things or think outside the box and stuff having like a plan and stuff for recording rehearsing your parts making sure everything fits together so when you're practicing looking at what everyone's playing and making sure the rhythms are the same so even if that means like looking at the drums and the bass together or like you know turning everything down so we can hear each other. Knowing your structures, knowing like the outline of the song, your spares, yeah. making sure the instruments are in tune, making sure obviously that like, you've looked at the intonation. That can be a really important one for guitars. And also like, yeah, spending money on, as we said earlier, like spending money on your setups can save you a lot of time in the studio. And obviously like, I don't yeah. like the term time is money in the studio. I always try to avoid it. But when you think about planning, if it saves you time and it makes you more efficient or makes you better in the studio, then that setup's going to save you hours and hours and hours, even days at times for recording yeah. what would be good if there was some kind of checklist that we had John available that bands and musicians could download I wonder if there's anything like that out there John currently yeah if you went to session we put record here, or we can put here or we can put over there I don't know there's a link somewhere to what I'll John do is it. if we're doing yeah. that um, it'll be down below in the comments of this video um, if it's on the show notes it'll also be in the show notes of the podcast if you're listening to this and you're not on YouTube because you can see our faces actually I don't know if that's a good thing or not um, you'll love the continuity errors but yeah sessionrecall.com forward slash band checklist I think I've got it down <laughs> and that should be like a starting point so there's a bit about obviously the business of the band um, there is a page towards recording as well when, when you're looking at the studios and talking to producers and the questions Rather than just rocking up and just assuming everything's going to be great. Everyone loves a story. Everyone loves that. They're like, you know, we, we turned up and then we recorded and now we sold a million records in a week. I mean, th- things change in the studio. You know, we, we're so used to, we've done so many thousands and thousands of sessions that things change and plans change and creative juices start flowing and things do adapt and change. And we have great fun in the studio doing that. That's why we all love it because every session is different and we... Um, you don't quite know where it's going to go, where it's going to go. So it's exciting as well. So, yeah, but, but having a plan is great. That plan can go off in a you know, tangents, whatever. The more money you can save on that part of the process, the more money you can put into getting your music out there and actually doing something with your music, John, which we'll be talking about on another podcast about, right, we've been in the studio, we've done this, what the hell do we do with it now? Yeah, I think but that for this episode, I think that's like a really good place to kind of leave it. Yeah. Thanks again, Nick. Okay. I'm sorry it's yep. not as nice and sunny. I'm sorry you, you haven't got air conditioning outside. Yeah. Which I think is called wind. As Kingsley would say, session recall, sign up to it because... They're all doing it. They're all doing it. <laughs> We're going to have to leave that. Right. See you later, John. See you later. <laughs>